Hello and welcome to the WordPress Chick Podcast, brought to you by the WPChick.com. WordPress explained for those of us who get headaches when we hear words like PHP and functions, but want to make money with their WordPress sites. No boring code snippets here. Just WordPress happiness made easy. Now, here's your host, Kim Doyle, the WordPress Chick. All right, so you guys may or may not know this about me. But I'm kind of like Inspector Gadget on the web. Seriously, I can find some really amazing tools, plugins, web apps. I don't know what it is. I've kind of got a knack, though, for finding some cool stuff. Some of it sticks, and I continue to use it. Other things, I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I found that six months ago. Well, today I've got an interview with the founder of Clamor. And if you're not sure what Clamor is, jump in, because This is an amazing tool for podcasters, but it is not just for podcasting. And that's where I see a ton of opportunity with this. And you just need to listen to the interview. And I've got Parviz Parvizi. He's just, he's fantastic. Brilliant guy. I could have talked to him all day. But stay tuned to the very end because Parviz is going to do a webinar showing you. We're going to have a webinar. So if you stay tuned to the end, you can get the link to register for the webinar. This is literally just a free content how to use this. And by the way, did I mention that Clamor is free? Yeah, it's totally free. Um, but it's an amazing way to share audio clips. And before you start thinking, I don't have a podcast, you can record something. So stop and think about the power of an audio clip that you could share in a social media feed with a link back to a post page or a landing page. See what I mean? Pretty cool. Enjoy the interview. And don't forget to stay tuned to the very end. Before we get into all the awesomeness that it is, can you tell us a little bit about what you were doing before launching Clamor? Absolutely. I actually, it goes to some of the backstory of how Clamor came about. Um, My co-founder and I actually met in law school on the very first day of law school. The reason I mention that is is that we're both slow readers. And so (laughs) it's ironically we met in law school. And, uh, and so we've always been big audio users, um, because that's just a great way to get information in, um, especially if you're a slow reader, but even if you're not a slow reader, just make efficient use of your time. And, um, and so we, we both actually started a business in law school as a super fun one that was a winter hat business based on these Russian hats that are found in the Caucasus mountains that we got manufactured and we were selling around ski resorts. But then we both went and got some pretty blue chip jobs. And uh, I worked at a consulting firm called McKinsey and he worked uh, as an M&A banker at Morgan Stanley, actually. Uh, and we both just wanted to pay down some of our debts, et cetera. And uh, my con- career in consulting was focused really on media companies as well as tech and telecoms. That's the practice that I, I was in. And David and I knew we wanted to start something together and we'd always be spitballing things. Um, and, and as part of just our normal friend behavior, we often would share audio with each other and, you know, often in clunky ways where he would rip an audiobook and stick it in Dropbox for me or I would send him a podcast and explain this particularly good section and give him a timestamp for him to go to. And it really came out of a conversation where David said, hey, why are we sharing these in such a clunky way? Why can't we just sort of tweak these best audio moments at each other? Uh, and then 
same way with Twitter, you get a little moment and then you often typically can link to something longer. Um, you know, we thought there should be a space for that and a, and a tool for that in audio. And so that, that's how Clamor came about and some of what we were doing before. So we, we had these backgrounds um, in law uh, and then in, in sort of larger Fortune 500 type organizations and serving those organizations. And I have to say, I think working in professional services, whether it was banking in Dave's case or consulting in my case, one thing that was really helpful and useful about it is you get to cycle through a lot of different businesses uh, because you're serving different clients. And so you get a lot of data points that you can over time have as references, which is pretty cool and, and a really neat education in addition to being a, an interesting job to then launch into something more entrepreneurial with. I just love that point because a lot of people I don't think look at when they have a job as it, it's sort of maybe the have to do until I get here at the <laughs> sure. same time to be able to take it and, and look at it as I'm gaining an education and data points. I mean, awesome mindset for starters. So let me just clarify. So you guys didn't have, there was no, you weren't software developers. You weren't doing anything like that. You were lawyers and consulting and you were in a corporate space Mm -hmm. listening to problems, essentially. I mean, listening to what your, your clients and customers, you know, were dealing with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, we were folks who have analytical backgrounds, um, but not software development backgrounds. Uh, and so we're comfortable with things like problem solving. We're comfortable as users of technology, but no, we came at it. Uh, and then, therefore, we really had to build a team. And that was an important aspect of of getting clamor off the ground. We, we knew early on that, um, you know, we, we brought some useful things to the table, but we needed a fully rounded team. So our two other co-founders have you know, 10 plus years of software development experience and they have actually, the two of them have worked together in the past. And that's been a theme that's been important to us in terms of thinking about people and, and some of the interactions that we have, we, we both tend to really value uh, long-term relationships, uh, either having them already or building relationships with a view toward them being long-term. Um, I think that often helps reduce, uh, to be a bit jargony, it actually helps reduce transaction costs a lot. Um, it can sometimes be inefficient up front to take a long view and maybe leave a little on the table. But um, uh, you know, over the long-term, it actually relying on relationships helps reduce transaction costs for any given interaction because you have a lot of baseline trust um, that you don't have to have kind of drama and negotiation and things like that over. Well, I love that. There's a, you just keep dropping all these gold nuggets. So I have to back up a little bit first, like the audio piece. And I, I love what you were saying about, about you and David and, and being able to share audio. Like I go way back and I'm going to completely date myself, but I had so many tape programs in my mm-hmm. car sure, <laughs> yeah. in, in corporate jobs and district positions. And, you know, listening to that, I have always loved this. And so when podcasting, you know, really became more mainstream, it's not new by any means, but more mainstream, sure. it's, it's such a win-win to me in terms of being able to consume content wherever I am, I'm the most anti-social shopper. I've always got a headset in. Totally. Me too. Right. 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 I'm like, it makes target in the grocery store way more tolerable. (laughs) And you know, I have to say the thing that I justified getting an iPhone with when I first got an iPhone was, Hey, this thing's really good as a device for getting access to audio content. Um, it was just well integrated from the beginning, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm totally in the same boat as you. It's just such a 
especially in situations that are time waster situations like waiting in line or whatever, um, it, it makes them so much more tolerable and palatable, actually. It's like, great, I'm learning something interesting. I could stand here all day. Um, Absolutely. I'm like, I'm a much nicer person because yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. gauge, like, if I'm a little bit of, you know, out of sorts or I need, I'm like, I'll listen maybe to something spiritual or something that's just going to kind of chill my nerves a little bit. And, yeah. But I mean, I just literally early this morning was running some errands. And I'm like, okay, start listening to Vengeful Millionaire, a couple podcasts, a little marketing mm-hmm. in your car. I'm like getting my juices flowing for the day. So I, I totally, I absolutely love that. And I love the relationship piece because obviously today you can't, I, I well, I guess you can, if you've got a lot of money to spend on paid traffic, but the relationship piece it really is that long term. It's kind of, you know, I liken it to maybe creating content, right? It's a long term strategy for building a brand and a business. But the relationships, same thing, you might not get that instant return, or like you said, maybe leaving money on the table, but would you call it the transactional cost? Yeah, yeah. The yeah. transaction. I, th- I think it's one of these things that, because there's a lot of things, a transaction costs, some people think of them, one way to think of them is they relate to things like risk. And, um, yeah, you know, the more risk any activity has, um, yeah, the more costly it is effectively. And when you have a lot of trust between the parties involved, that actually reduces risk and that reduces one of the transaction costs to that interaction. Um, I think it's one of the, the real insights from even just the history of business and economics. You look at really old times, things like guilds and before, before a lot of corporate law was in place to provide a little bit of a trust layer where the government would come in and you could sue somebody. Um, a lot, a lot of economic activity was done based on kind of things that were either family driven or guild driven, things like that to just reduce some of those transaction costs of risk of, I have no idea what this other party is going to do. So, um, maybe I won't put my full effort in or whatever the case may be. I love that. I just love that there's so much more to this and it's just, it's not so much just the numbers. So I, I'm like, I feel like I could sit and talk to you all day, um, but let's keep moving forward so that yeah. people understand what Clamor is. So can you tell the audience what Clamor is? We kind of have an understanding about why you started it, but let's do sort of the, well, we don't have to do cliff notes, but explain what Clamor is. Absolutely. So um, our mission with Clamor is to make great audio easier to discover and share. Um, and we do that with a platform that has short audio clips. They're capped at 18 seconds that just play in a continuous stream. So one 18-second clip after another, uh, and each of those has longer content associated with it. So the stream that you listen to is personalized, um, and you can just listen to, for example, news headlines, but you can also listen to things like news headlines that have longer content or podcast previews, uh, podcast trailers. Um, and so it's a way to make audio really more browsable. Um, One of the challenges with audio is that while it's very personal and conveys emotion, unlike text, it's not very browsable. And it's often in these big chunks, which are not very accessible. Like a podcast is typically at least 20 minutes. Some of the longer ones are, you know, an hour plus. And so um, people consume a few things that they really like, but they don't really cycle through and discover a whole lot of new ones. And so we thought if you actually shrink the unit size down to something bite-sized and get the best moments, um, the best previews of things, that actually lets people cycle through um, and discover new things. And it also makes them more shareable. Um, so you know, I gave you a little bit of just 
the, the top level, but some of the platform aspects which we can get into that are especially exciting is um, Clamor's a way to create these little short bites. If you're somebody who has a podcast or who you're doing some content marketing, for example, and these short bites live on Clamor, which is an, an iPhone app and also a web app so people can access it on the web. But they're also open objects. And what that means is, as open embeddable objects, they can be placed and played anywhere. So nobody has to have Clamor in order to take advantage of these little audio trailers and highlights being out there. So they can be posted to Facebook, to Twitter, and play natively in those environments. They can also go to things like Tumblr and Pinterest. Um, and then you know they can also be embedded on just a website uh, as, as a highlight reel that's constantly being updated. So we have these widgets. Uh, so that's, that's some of the stuff that really makes Clamor, we think, especially powerful as a way to make audio shareable, discoverable, social in a way that it hasn't been to date. Okay. Awesome um, <laughs> summary. <It's a> mouthful. <laughs> yeah. Mouthful, but I mean, you covered a lot. So it's interesting because I was thinking, again, since we had, had talked previously, like my mind's just been spinning because I'm such a one consumer of podcasts. And, you know, I mentioned that we have a division where we produce podcasts for clients. Sure. And, you know, it, it's funny because I was thinking about this and I would love your take on it. I was talking about a friend because I was like, oh my God, I, I, I talked to, to, to Parvies at Clamor and I see so many possibilities with this. And, and you know, she's got a podcast. She's like, well, but yeah, but you can play, you know, Libsyn and the feed and Facebook and all of that. My perspective is that the beauty of being able to a snippet, first of all, I'd rather have somebody sitting on my site. <laughs> if they're going to sit on a web property and listen to my podcast, I'd rather it be on my website versus Facebook, right? It's my property. Um, you know, I, I, I see that value. And again, what happens in here, you know, just walking through this is that if somebody's going to put the whole podcast in the Facebook feed as an example or Twitter, they're going to, the first, you know, if they don't want to hear my intro, then I may lose them. Right. I, I think that's exactly right. You, you hit the nail on the head. And, and these aren't ex- mutually exclusive behaviors. I think, you know, yeah, like post your podcast on Facebook, see how it works out and why not. But, um, you know, that'd be my answer to your friend. But at the same time, realize that you're asking a lot of somebody to press a button, first of all, and then go through your whole setup, which may not boil things down to really the thing that's going to hook them in. Some podcasters happen to have like a great hook at the beginning, but a lot don't. It's just not how the medium has really evolved. Um, and, you know, there have been studies. I mean, the folks like at NPR who really are kind of top of the heap in audio, and they've, they've done studies where basically the audience has to have their attention captured in the first 20 seconds or else they, they zone out or tune out um, of a given story. And so... Um, you know, it's, it's more of this is an additional option in addition to just straight posting a podcast up there. And then your other point, which is these all have these links that you can customize. It can drive people to iTunes. It can drive them to your website. Um, or it can stream the whole audio right there. You get a lot more flexibility with what you can do with it. And last thing I'll flag is you can create playlists of these. So you can have like a bit of a highlight reel or a set of intro reels for multiple episodes. And then the playlists are also shareable. Absolutely, yeah. The playlists are exactly embeddable, shareable. Right now, um, just the way we've got some of the tagging and cards set up, 
they're not as great as the individual clamors um, on a Facebook or Twitter, but we're actually going to be doing some updates literally in the next couple of weeks that'll get those just looking a little nicer uh, on those platforms. But they're, they very much are shareable. Yeah. I love that. So when we were talking last, you know, we were talking about the, this link piece of it, right? And, mm-hmm. and I love that there's a way to direct people. So obviously I under, I understand the thought behind it, but can you kind of, what was the purpose in, in doing that um, when you guys were developing this? And where did you see that opportunity for both podcasters and listeners? Yeah. Um, you know, we, we thought of it, it was right from the, the beginning in terms of conceptually why we thought about Clamor. And, um, you know, there's one aspect of Clamor and one set of use cases where people are just doing kind of headline news type things. And they don't really, in some cases, need, need to get more. But in our case, the behavior that I mentioned where, you know, David would rip books and put them on Dropbox, I would send him links to podcasts with timestamps. It was really, um, it was really around getting to something where that's going to hook your attention and then you actually want to engage with the whole audio. So we've kind of thought of it as this form of lead gen for audio. And so it was just pretty obvious to us that this had to be a core feature of these clamors that they have a big button that says more and that more button um, can do a few different things. In our initial conception, we really thought of the more button as just launching the full stream. But based on feedback that we got, we said, why don't we make sure we have options for people? Because sometimes people don't want to launch a full stream, but they want to take someone to a landing page. They want to take someone to a subscription page. They want to launch a YouTube video. Um, so we just created those options for folks as well. God, I'm sitting here, my brain spinning because I'm like, God, you can <laughs> create sort of your own split test, essentially, right? Yeah. And, and yeah, so you create you t- you create a clamor and test is you know having it go to a post, having it go to a landing page, having it go to a one time offer, whatever you want to do. Um, and again, I, I'm just gonna, I always I use this disclaimer all the time that the goal is always to provide value and, and build a relationship, but. You know, I, I think that in, in being able to test that, it, again, there's that data point where it's like, okay, well, what is it people really want from me? And, you know, the whole thing with with podcasting intros and all this stuff, it's, I think, as the medium gets, um, like I said, a little bit more mainstream, mm-hmm. I, I just started thinking, you know, I love the idea of the sound bites and the clips, whether it's before or after, but not hearing the same thing all over and over again. And it's mm-hmm. such a great way these clamors to connect with people who haven't listened to you. And if they're drawn to that soundbite, they're much more likely to go subscribe. Yeah. And, and there's this other really exciting aspect, which is it also starts putting some of your super fans in a position where they can create highlights and share them. Um, so, you know, a lot of podcasters are typically solo operations. They have to do everything, which is the booking, the recording, the interviewing, the recording, and then the promoting. Um, so they're really just shouting out on their own about their podcast. And it's a way for the audience to actually become marketers and promoters of the podcast in a couple different ways. Like One is just these clamors being out there uh, are things that fans can like and forward to other people. But also fans can actually just create these clips. And, and one thing 
that we've been super excited about is um, certainly on the on the app they can do it, and on our website they can just do a lookup of anything that's in iTunes and quickly grab that podcast and identify the snippet. But we've actually been working with most of the leading podcast hosting companies um, and and leading folks who have podcast players. So that um, if something like, for example, if a website has simple podcast press as its player, um, that, that now has a clamor button on it. So when somebody's listening to your podcast, when they hear something they like, they can just hit that clamor button. And just like hitting a Facebook or Twitter button, it'll pop up a web pop-up that pre-populates sort of the title, the description, and pre-populates it with that moment they were just listening to. And, um, and they can adjust it. They can move the wave around to get to the exact right snippet. Um, and then it forces them to post it, not just to Clamor, but to either Facebook or Twitter or both. Um, and so, and we've seen from early data, that's been pretty amazing what's been happening. Each of those shares that have been going out have been generating 10 plays back. So that's not 10 exposures. There are plenty of exposures, but 10 people actually then taking action and playing something, um, which for podcasts is, is huge because, again, I think the medium has been challenged with just generally audience growth. Okay, so just for the listeners, I'm going to let them know. I'm going to add a video to this post of how the Clamor button works with Simple Podcast Press because I use that and love it and love Hanny. And so you can go to, directly to the post if you're not on the site, um, and I'll have a video showing you exactly how this works. So you said, you know, in, in creating relationships with like Simple Podcast Press and some of the major hosts, is there anything that the listeners should know about those relationships and how you're collaborating uh, it, it, to use Quenver? Um, You know, I think I think the the only thing to know is there'll be some announcements coming out, um, you know, soon. Um, there, you know, Hanny's are Hanny because he both owns the company and built the technology just very aggressively and quickly went out uh, and brought that button to his users. Um, Buzzsprout has gone ahead and done it. Um, and some of the larger folks, it's pretty imminent. That those will be coming up in the market very soon. Um, we have a WordPress plugin that does the same thing. And we teamed up with Blueberry to create that WordPress plugin. And so on their next release, they'll be looking to um, bake that into PowerPress, where you can enable it through PowerPress, which is uh, super exciting. And we loved working with them on that. That's fantastic. So obviously, I, I just am hoping people, I'm obviously a fan of podcasting and think everybody, I think every niche could, could use a podcast. I don't know that everybody should podcast. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just not everyone's cup of tea. Um, but so let me ask you this, and, and how this ties in with Clamor is, you know, podcasting obviously isn't going anywhere. Uh, but where do you see opportunities for podcasters and, and tying in, you know, technology like Clamor? Yeah. Um, some of it comes down to what the goals of, of the podcasters are, because I think there are different tribes of podcasters out there. Um, some people uh, are really treating it as a media endeavor where the podcast is a form of either artistic or journalistic or other kind of opinion expression, and they may be doing it just as an end in itself or sort of as a way to, um, as a little bit of a media business uh, in and of itself. Um, so these are some of the storytelling type podcasts, et cetera. Um, and then other people are really thinking of it as a form of you know, kind of content marketing. Uh, and, and so it's, it's one additional channel in a multi-channel play. Um, and, and then, of course, there are certainly some folks who are just 
straight up doing it as a, they wanted. They, they, it's an excuse for them to talk to some friends and interesting people. <laughs> Yeah. And like they and they figure they'll just hit the record button while they're at it. Um and that's actually those are some super fun, awesome podcasts. Um so I, I think some of some of the opportunity set comes from where where a person sits. But um one one thing that I would I would kind of flag is is this idea of taking the podcast content and thinking about ways of repurposing it. Uh, and, and, and turning it into something that is also socially shared. I think that's one opportunity that's a bit missed in podcasts so far. I think people just create these long podcasts and they're great for the passionate audience. Um, and that's actually just really powerful in and of itself because of that engagement. But there's a lot of gold in there and there's a lot of opportunity to take that longer content and think about ways of using that stuff to actually pull in some new people. So for example, um, you know, if, if it's a podcast that has really more of a content focus and educational focus, like interviewing people who have great gems of insights and tips and things like that. Like this one. I mean, with you, yeah, it's fantastic. Think about, think about things like listicles. Listicles are a move that Buzzfeed is quite well known for. For example, they make these little content nuggets that are just top 10 lists. Um, so why not have uh, top 10 insights um, you know, from the podcast and just put those into a playlist? Now, I'm talking about Clamor, so of course I'd suggest using Clamor. But frankly, it's something you could do in other ways as well, um, right? So you could just straight up do it as text or whatever the case may be. But just thinking about ways to repurpose and re-expose that content, the catalog content, and then the stuff that's that's baked in um, and, you know, listicles is, is one just kind of obvious thing that, that jumps out. Um, and then the other one is, is getting the community of listeners more socially engaged on behalf of the podcast. And so that's giving them opportunities to do things like sharing moments they love, uh, doing things like call and response, you know, I, I, you know, with clamor, you could do things like hashtags. So you tell your audience, Hey, um, give me your best tip on WordPress and post it as a clamor and use the hashtag, um, you know, WordPress tips. And that'll, you can actually make a playlist based on hashtags. So you can do a hashtag search and then turn that into an embeddable playlist. And that's another piece of content that your audience completely generated. Um, so that's kind of another general theme, which is the idea of audience engagement and audience co-creation. <laughs> I, I, I swear to God, Purpose, I could just, I'm like, I'm taking notes, Matt, I'm <laughs> doing this and I have access to this, but this is so fantastic because that, that ties in with my next question, which is, you know, if you were launching a podcast today, how would you use Clamor to drive traffic? And obviously you've given us some great tips on, on that. Is there anything else you want to add to that in terms of driving traffic to a new podcast? Yeah. Um, I think the things that we went through, um, so certainly, uh, you know, creating clamors of the, of, of the podcast content, posting them out on social media, creating listicles, uh, posting those out on social media. I think the other thing that I would really work hard to do is syndicating my content. And clamor gives a really great opportunity to do that. Um, in, in the sense of you can take these embeddable widgets either for the whole account or for playlists that you create 
and go to other people, people who have blogs that are relevant in your space and say, hey, um, do you want to embed this little playlist of insights onto your blog? Um, and that gives them content, which a lot of bloggers are quite happy to have. And it gives you a chance to get some additional syndication out there. So you can actually use the Clamor player as a syndication tool. Um, and, and it can be mutual, right? There can be a mutual benefit there, um, from, from the blog, blog owner putting, putting you up there. Um, you, you can drive traffic to them certainly in terms of mentions and things like that. So that, that'd be one move and the kind of move that I think is a bit underutilized right now uh, where I don't think I don't think folks are thinking as much about syndication um, other than the just syndication of being present on iTunes and SoundCloud or wherever else people just straight up listen but um, thinking about cross-media syndication onto things like text websites yeah I don't think I, I don't know that many people and it's funny because I hadn't really thought about the option of embedding it on other web properties it, even with, with guest posts that I've done, I'm like, God, I should use Embedly and bring that back and, and do a little view more notes. You know, that there's all these opportunities, again, because content is not going anywhere. And, you know, the more content you have and, and being able to get your name out there. So even including it, I would think, like in a guest post somewhere else, right? It would be right. great. Yeah. For sure. Right. Like stick it in there. And then now you are now you have somebody who can potentially may engage in a very deep way with you by getting access to your, to your podcast. So, so in terms of clamor and social media, do you have any, and, and we didn't discuss this, so I'm not trying to put you on the spot, um, but any stories or, you know, kind of success stories or things that have worked really well for other users um, who create content and, and using clamor. Yeah. Um, we've seen, we've seen a bunch of interesting things that people are doing. Um, you know, I think on just straight distribution to social media, that's been, that's been, there've been a number of folks who've done that and they've cited to us. Um, and, and I wouldn't, I think with anything new, I always like to be careful and not have people think that there's some magic silver bullet and clamor is it. Um, but people have cited to us things like 40% bumps in their traffic. Now these are more moderate sized shows, but, um, it gives them a, a, a new thing that they can load up into buffer uh, and have something new saying new, new that they're saying that they're putting out there on a regular basis. So, you know, they go, they make a handful of clamors for each episode uh, put a put a good title on it. It already has a nice image, um, and then they're actually syndicating that to Facebook and Twitter um, and getting some pretty good engagement off that. So that's that. There have been several examples of that that just have we don't we don't track that, but people have just inbound, um, just given us shout outs and said, "Hey, that's pretty cool." Um, the other thing that we've seen that's been exciting is this clamor it button. Um, you know that has been implemented already by Hanny and some others and is now really becoming a bit of a norm across the market um, in the next few weeks. And that one, we've seen some, some of that really exciting data around the plays, the, the 10x ratio. Um, and that's been a really cool success case, only because we, we weren't sure what the heck would happen with it. We thought maybe it'll just get 10 exposures. Who knows? Like maybe, you know, the Facebook algorithm won't even expose it much. But the fact that it's actually getting played uh, that many times that people are actually clicking it, you think on Facebook how many things you scroll by and you don't click them. Right. Um, 
And the fact that that's actually generating that engagement, because it comes across really beautifully. It's a nice big image with a big play button, a great headline. Um, and so that's been another really neat success case. Um, and then the third one that is we've seen bits and pieces of and we'd love to see more of is folks doing these kind of call and responses. So, you know, there's one podcast, it's a beer podcast and it's pretty cool. And, um, and she, she actually asked her audience to get back to her with clamors of their, their first beer moment. Um, I thought thought that was pretty neat. Um, And you can go on forever about something like that, but I love that it's something you can make short and, and then you could splice them together in interesting ways. Um, So that's another, another, I don't have metrics on that one, uh, but as just a form of audience engagement and content creation, like how cool is it to get just a playlist with no effort of a bunch of great beer moments? You don't have to then stitch together MP3s that people send you or things like that, but it's just kind of all in one big play reel. So I'm so so going to steal that. So (laughs) Explain to people because I don't know that that we cover that much. So you don't have to just go take sound bites from already produced audio. You can actually create an eighteen second, up to eighteen second, your own sound bite, and then share it. Absolutely. So you can, um, if you're using the app, you know, you go to menu and you hit the record option, and then that gives you a host of choices. Pulling something from soundcloud pulling something from your mp3s but it also just has a straight recorder and you can record your voice and it has things like it has multi-tracking so it's actually a bit of a mix studio so you can record your voice and then go get some sort of sound um you know we have a bunch of sounds whether they're rap beats or things you can pull from soundcloud so you can actually splice together different things so you could for example somebody could pull a highlight from a show and then do a voiceover with their own voice just introducing it and saying, hey, this is a great moment. Check out this insight and click the more button after afterwards to hear the full thing, right? Um, and so that, that they can do in the app. Um, they can also, the app lets you pull in anything that's pre-recorded. So from SoundCloud, from Gmail, uh, if you even have a, a sound file that's attached to your email, you just press that email for two seconds or press that attachment for two seconds in your email and then you get an option to pull it into Clamor. So people can also use the voice memo recorder to record something longer and then pull that into the soundboard to, um, to, to grab a piece and then link it out, you know, save it on Dropbox and you know, link it to where it is on Dropbox, for example, as a public link. Um, so a lot, lot of options there. There's a ton of options there. Even in going back, if you – I'm thinking in terms of just – you can use it to repurpose just content. It doesn't necessarily have to then be a podcast episode, right? That you're not, yeah. and, and again, as a podcaster, but I'm also somebody that's interested in creating content. And so simply sharing, you know, and I mean, and I would test back to, as a quick example, you know, there's a, a plugin I use a lot um, called Thrive Content Builder, and they've got a lead, a Thrive Leads too. And I was like, you know, I, I use these all the time. Let's just do a webinar, no pitch, but just a t- training, right? So. Mm-hmm. What a great way to do a soundbite with a great image and saying, "Hey guys, I'm just going to do a free hangout. Let's just let's just walk through this plugin um, to do that." So you can go back through maybe some of your best content, right, and create an audio snippet to to go share it that way. Absolutely, absolutely, um, and you share it out, and then since you're really 
WordPress guru, obviously all these things can be embedded into WordPress sites. And that's pretty neat too. Um, just as a place where people can go and press play and hear a bunch of them in a row or whatever the case may be. Oh yeah. I'm already picturing in my head, like page templates and how can I make them look really good (laughs) (laughs) and all that stuff. Um, God, this is just, it just keeps getting better. So can you, what can you share with us in terms of like what's on the horizon for clamor? Um, and obviously, I, I'm in addition to this post and everybody listening to make sure you listen to the very end um, because I will be giving you a link and a date to a webinar uh, that Tarvis is going to do for my audience, which I'm super excited about. Um, but what, what is it you can share that that's on the horizon for Clamor that's coming? Um, so I'll make the really I'll make I'll make one unhelpful comment, which is we have one thing we're very excited about that we're going to likely be testing based on a bunch of feedback we got some from some amazing podcasters, including yourself. Um, I can't talk about that. (laughs) So maybe on the webinar I can, but that's something that's pretty exciting in terms of um, potentially uh, being something that helps drive audience uh, uh, and and just some more uh, attention for, for individual podcasts Uh, in, in terms of some of the other things that are, that are on the horizon. I mean, the big one is this clamor button, being embedded inside of a bunch of the kind of podcast hosts and, and their players. So that, that, that'll be coming up. Um, and most of the ones you would imagine are, it's pretty much all the, all the major players that are out there. Um, uh, I won't name names, but, uh, yet, but, um, that's coming up. Uh, in the app, there are some neat things coming up that, uh, are around. You can do things like in, previously in the app, in order to grab a podcast, you had to have the podcast downloaded onto your purple podcast app on the iPhone. But now um, you can just look up in iTunes that podcast um, and you can kind of use the app as a bit of a podcast player. Um, it has a, it'll have a little bit of that. So that's going to be an upcoming release that that'll just be some fun new features and then you know the web we're, we're we're it's a priority right now to be upgrading that and give it as much of the functionality that the podcast uh, app has as possible um because we know a lot of people are android users so we wanted a mobile responsive version um for them and that has a lot of those it has a lot of the creation tools already but um we're always improving them Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to do a whole bunch of playing and testing before the webinar. So I'm going to give you some good data. I will track everything that I do because my brain is just spinning. Um, You know, one last question before we kind of wind down here, and it's probably not going to be necessarily a quickie, but how was this for you in terms of launching a a software product? I I mean, this was so, this was a new venture for you and obviously some great business experience, but you know, I don't know, any thoughts you want to share on that? I know that I would love to produce software at some point. I couldn't yeah. write it, but I think it's a phenomenal business model. Um, as a business model, it can be when it's successful for sure. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, and we're, we're very much in the middle of it. So, uh, you know, I'll let you know how everything turns out as, as on a bit on the business front. I mean, um, I think I, I would definitely say that in 2015, if anyone, for anyone who's in a position to be able to gain some development skills, um, it really is worth it. Uh, I think Dave and I both felt that that was something that was a hindrance and you no, know, you can't be perfect. You can't have everything, uh, in your favor, but it was something that has made it, uh, require definitely more effort, more work, et cetera. 
Um, and if we could natively be developers, um, I think that would have just helped the company for sure, just very candidly. Um, I think it's kind of increasingly uh, dinosaur type behavior to be someone who launches a business and doesn't, um, doesn't have the skills to, to really do some of the making, um, uh, you know, as, as, especially as time goes on. Um, well, at the so, same time, you're able to focus on your strengths though, then. So. Yeah, for sure. For <laughs> sure. You know, I'm always, you know, trying to figure out how to improve. So I'm probably being a little yeah. hard on this. But, um, I, that, that would, that'd be one point, which is if, so if it's a choice and a set of skills for folks to have, I think I'd, I would definitely always invest in that. Even if it, even if it means you're not the developer ultimately, because that's something that, there's a lot of talent and time and skill that goes in, but I think just being able to at least know the process a little bit as somebody who's done it, it's kind of like, you know, in finance, for example, um, you know, you build financial models as an analyst, uh, as you get more senior, you're not necessarily making the models um, and the software evolves for some of that, but um, you may not even be very good at Excel after some time, but you know, the puts and the takes. Um, and so that's where I think it, it can be helpful. I think the other thing that I would definitely you know, advise folks is um, take design very seriously um, and think of design not as uh, uh, how pretty it is, but really more about the UX and the UI um, and try to overinvest in having folks on the team with that set of skills, building that set of skills yourself. Um, I think that's another thing that we felt like we really had to go up a learning curve fast on, um, for sure. Uh, but those being said, in terms of some of the things that I felt like we had to get up the learning curve fast because we didn't have the backgrounds, um, on the flip side, I think if you have something that's a compelling product idea, a compelling vision, a, a, or a problem that's really clearly obvious that you're solving maybe all of those but sometimes you have a great vision but it's not solving a problem or you're solving a problem but it's not that exciting but (laughs) if you have some combination of those um i think it's straightforward to start getting other people excited about it um who have the full set of complementary skills and the thing to realize and that we realize is no matter what if i had the magic wand and we were ninja developers and um had been doing design for 20 years or whatever, um, you can't do everything yourself anyway. And it's really a, a team process. Um, and so it's, you know, not having that background ultimately wasn't for us that big of a deal. Um, because we just knew that we had to compensate for it. Um, even though we felt like a little bit exposed and feeling like, gee, I wish I could just <laughs> get in there and do it. Yeah. 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 And I love the the design piece where you're talking about that. I, which I love the UI on, on the, the web app and the phone. So thank you for that. Um, because there's a lot of programs I use and I'm like, I, I love what the program does, but it makes me the interface. I'm like, there's too many to me, right? It seems like it should be really easy to make this user friendly. Like, right. Just, just right. drop right. it down and make it look pretty. I want stuff to look good too, right? Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I, I, th- I think we have plenty of room on, on some of that. Um, it's but thank thank you for the for the compliment on it for sure it means a lot because it's something we're we're like we're always trying to push and struggle with it because you you want to enable all this stuff but then it gets super hard to be 
objective and outside in once you once you know a product and and it's very hard to put yourself in the mindset of somebody who's coming in cold um and so we're always kind of struggling with that of okay is this actually understandable um can somebody easily do this like we on just as a micro example on the mix board we regularly get comments from people who say oh you know i can't make small adjustments because your scrubber doesn't let me make fine to fine tuned movements and they don't realize that they can just tap on the wave and actually move the wave with their finger rather than the big scrubber underneath it that uh, takes you know, like minutes. So it's one of these things that we were blind to because we were just like used to it. So it was obvious to us that you can move this thing around with your finger, but somebody new never would have realized. I mean, it's why would they realize that you can move it with your finger when there's a big scrubber underneath that you would move it with? So little things like that. Um, yeah, that's it, when you need to get the 10-year-old to demonstrate it because the, the yeah. kids who have grown up with technology, it's, it's they've just grown up with these phones, right? And so then yeah. it's, to some adults, it's like, oh, it's easier than I thought. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, it's been a really cool adventure and super, super educational. Um, and we're really glad that we've created something that's really resonating um, uh, as well as part of that. Um, but one of, you know, some of our internal benchmarks are very much, am I doing something interesting that where I'm learning something? And, um, and then happily, it's also been something that's been resonating, which is great. And we're excited to keep on going with it. Gosh, Parvi, this has been so fantastic. Thank you so much. I, like I said, I feel like I could sit and just listen to you all day. Um, where is the best place for people to connect with you? Obviously the, the clamor site, we want them all to get, and by the way, everybody, it is free. Clamor is free. The app, app, I should say that right. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so a few, few things, um, clamor at clamor app on Twitter. Uh, so that's, I tend to be the wizard of Oz behind that. So, um, great. I, I'm, I'm t- I'll be typically responding. Um, you know, like us on Facebook. We also have a private Facebook group that some of our users created, some of our super more power users created. Um, we participate in that, but we don't control that. We wanted that to be the community feeling like they could let their hair down in there. Um, uh, so that's, that's another place. If you post there, I would definitely see it and, and respond. Um, uh, on Clamor, I'm at Parviz. And, and yeah, you know, our website, but my name's Parviz Parvizi. It's a pretty easy to find somebody with that kind of name if you just google so um uh, pretty reachable um thank you again like so everybody listening all the links to everything of course will be in the show notes as well as i will include in this podcast post like i mentioned the video on using the clamor button with simple podcast press um and then stay tuned for uh just some more information on the webinar that should be coming up in november with parvies so again thank you parvies this has been awesome Thanks so much, Kim, and clamor on. (laughs) Do you see what I mean? Like the guy is just totally brilliant. So I want you to think about what you can do with clamor outside of just podcasts. So if you are a podcaster, use it. I'm going to tell you, (laughs) I've just been a little slammed, but the first right away, I I went and shared a client's podcast and then I went and shared mine and I think I got 39 listens um, like in an afternoon, you guys. So stop and think about that, getting somebody to listen 
And I, I didn't log in to track and I should have done, you know, a, a special tracking link, which I think I'll ask him about on the webinar, but I'll do special tracking link to see if it is in fact driving traffic the way I'd like it to. Um, and all the analytics and stuff are going to be there that you can set up. So what we're doing is uh, Parvithi has agreed to do a webinar simply to show you guys how Clamor works. And again, Clamor is free, webinar is free, nothing to sell you. Simply going to show you how to use that. And I'm coming from the perspective of being able to share a snippet of value, a snippet of content with people and to get them to continue through because they want to hear more, read more, see more. Make sense? So go to the WPChick.com forward slash Clamor, C-L-A-M-M-R. Again, that's the WPChick.com forward slash Clamor and register for the webinar. Again, there will be a replay, but you do need to register. So have an awesome afternoon. As always, thank you for listening. And if you'd feel inclined, I'd love uh, a review in, in iTunes. Thanks, guys.